Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, September 17th, 2020. Uh, the headline and one of the headlines in the New York Times today, Trump scorns own scientist over virus data. Subhead, no coherent message. The third subhead should be, duh. We got to bounce this administration out. We got to bounce them fast. Uh, as I do with all my uh, guests, bonus guests on the Ben Jarosky show, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself. So, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Michael Thurman. I served in the U.S. Air Force. I'm from uh, Northern California. And I confronted Joe Biden back on Super Tuesday in March about his record on on war. And then recently it came back up as uh, Donald Trump Jr. and the right wing media have been pushing this uh, narrative as me somehow supporting Trump. But I'm now speaking out saying that my uh, criticism of Biden is in no way a support of Trump. So, um, yeah. All right. I'm on your show. <laughs> you are on my show, and thank you. And uh, I've been talking about your appearance for a long time, Michael. Uh, and it all began, let me just back up and just give a shout-out to my good friend, Miles. Miles Conflossen from In These Times. And he was he's a regular on our show. Uh, and uh, so he came on the show. I go, Miles, what you got in In These Times these days? And he goes, oh, we just did this story about this uh, uh, Michael Thurman and uh, – who confronted Biden. I go, Oh man, I got to get him on the show. So one thing led to another and uh, here you are, but you, before we get to uh, your uh, confrontation with Joe Biden uh, and uh, the way in which uh, Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. And the Republicans are trying to manipulate it. Why don't you give folks a little uh, background about yourself? How, how did you end up uh, joining the air force? Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in rural Northern California, um, and I was 17 in high school. I was interested in aviation. I actually worked at a little airport in my, in my little town. And, um, yeah, I used to play a lot of, uh, uh, video games with jet fighters and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I liked uh, Top Gun and all that stuff. So when the Air Force recruiter came to my high school, made it sound really appealing and cool. And I was like, all right, I'm going to join the Air Force. And I joined the Air Force when I was 17 in the delayed entry program. 
And uh, for those of you who don't know, the delayed entry program is a way to get underage um, kids into the military by having their parents sign. So they're locked in, and as soon as they graduate high school, they can go right off to uh, basic training. And so you joined, uh, and as soon as you turned 18, or as soon as you graduated high school, you went off to the military. Uh, what did you do in the Air Force? Right. Um, so I was an avionics technician um, for the U-2, which is a high-altitude firecraft. Um, and I worked in an intelligence wing. Um, I, I went, I went through basic training and technical school. And when I was operational, I, uh, filed to become a conscientious objector due to my changing beliefs and things I was exposed to that I couldn't consciously be a part of. Uh, now, Michael, excuse my utter ignorance, and I'm a little embarrassed to ask this question, but I'll ask it anyway, because no what the hell intelligence wing, what does that mean? Um, an intelligence, it's, it's, it, it's a unit intelligence reconnaissance. Um, it, 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 it's, it's purpose is to gather information for, for waging war, basically. Um, best I can describe it. So these, these aircraft and these systems and the, the whole purpose of the, the unit I was in was to gather information, uh, all over the world. Um, in the, in the interest of, of target selection, waging war. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's intelligence is a big part of any military military, any military operation. Got it. And, uh, so you, you became a conscious, a conscientious objector. You filed for status. Was there something that specifically that triggered, uh, your changing attitude or was it an evolution? It was an evolution. I would say there was a, uh, you know, a lot of, um, things I was exposed to over time. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a combat vet. I was in the air force and in a, uh, I was an aircraft technician. I wasn't directly in combat. I was never supposed to deploy to combat. You know, I only, I only saw it through, uh, through screens and by talking and listening to fellow veterans, um, fellow service members who, who were combat, uh, veterans who, who did see combat, um, listening to the, what they experienced and talking to people I was working with. Um, so yeah. And I also, I also found myself, you know, that, just being in, in the military and the nature of, of, uh, you know, how they, how they indoctrinate you and, and how they try and, and get you to uh, not question what you're, what you're doing, what the mission is, what the, re- what the end result is. Um, I just, I just found this indifference towards the destruction of human life. Um, a lot of, you know, people I was around would just would celebrate that, that death and that destruction. And I just, I found, I found what, what we were doing wasn't helpful. I, it wasn't the war on terrorism really wasn't uh, preventing terrorism. It was, it was just creating more terrorists. It was just creating more problems, more hatreds towards the United States. Um, it wasn't, it, it didn't seem like a solution. So um, there was that, there was also, 
uh, you know, my unit works really closely with, with uh, these military contracting corporations like Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman. And it just, it just seemed like a, a business venture to me. It didn't seem like um, an organization for defending anything. It seemed like an organization that um, was just working for these companies, promoting their, their systems, their technologies, um, and just making uh, some people a lot of money. So um, things like this, I, I was exposed to, I was realizing I also was having, you know, a lot of personal changes. I was studying a lot of Eastern philosophy. Um, you know, I, I went back to a lot of like what I grew up with Christian values that, that were, you know, ultimately also opposed to these things. And uh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't consciously be a part of that. Mm-hmm. anymore so i couldn't i couldn't um i couldn't go on uh being in the military so that's when i filed for conscious objector status uh and what and how did the military respond to your uh your filing you know i was lucky being um stateside in the air force um you know because i didn't have such a direct combat role um as a you know it was, it was actually relatively easy for me. It still took, still took a bit of time, eight months to go through that process. And they, they took me off the flight line and put me in a uh, kind of janitorial role for a little while and doing office clerical work uh, while that was happening. But um, yeah, I actually, uh, you know, relative to other people who've gone through this process, it was fairly, fairly easy, easy for me. So um, I was lucky in that regard. A lot of people who were, you know, in the Marine Corps, for example, they try and do this. They get a lot of shit from their superiors. They um, end up uh, getting denied. And then, you know, they might get, uh, they might then try and get out some other illegal means. And then they get into legal trouble and end up spending time in, in jail. So I, I was pretty lucky to, uh, to be granted the status and honorably discharged. So I was, uh, I consider myself lucky and fortunate in that regard. So did, did they uh, shave some years off the amount of time you had to be in the air force? Is that ultimately how, what happened? Yeah. 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 I got out, uh, um, after almost two years, I was supposed to serve six. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I got out early. So it's uh, it, it's a unique story. Uh, so a, a kid at age 17 signs up for the Air Force uh, and then goes through a personal evolution, decides this is not for him, uh, files uh, for uh, consciousness objection status and is released, uh, returns to his hometown, and now essentially... I don't want to uh, put a, de- a tag on you that you don't want, but you're essentially anti-war activist. Do I have that correct? Yeah. After I got out, uh, you know, an organization that helped me get out of the military was Courage to Resist. I went and did some work with them. Um, you know, I was uh, as I was going to, to school and whatnot, I was doing work with this organization with Iraq Veterans Against the War, which kind of turned into About Face, Veterans Against the War is what, they, what they're called now. Um, when, 
when there was this video that came out, uh, Collateral Murder, I think. Um, I was trying to remember the date, but but uh, when when they found out that that Chelsea Manning, this private in the army, released all this information, uh, big big whistleblower, uh, a, a big courageous act that she spent jail time, a lot of jail time for prison time. Um, I thought that was that was really inspiring. We needed to support this person, so I was working for the campaign to uh, support and free Chelsea Manning for a long time. Um, we were ultimately, uh, uh, successful in getting, getting her released, uh, after Obama commuted her sentence, um, when he left office. So that was a big victory for us. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of anti-war activist work, um, since I got out and I, uh, you know, now, now I do, uh, <laughs> Now I do I do some on the side and uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I mainly do uh, tree work. I'm an arborist now. But, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> we will probably have a bit of a conversation about that at least with the, all the forest fires uh, in your neck of the woods. Yeah. All right, so that uh, sort of takes us the narrative to uh, where uh, you have your meeting uh, with Joe Biden on Super Tuesday, right. and uh, before we play the tape. Uh, of what you said to him and what he said to you. Why don't you do a setup of, of sort of the scene, you know, where you were, where he was, and that kind of thing? Well, you know, I uh, <clears throat> think I think this this moment in in time for the United States is very very important, and uh, I, I care very much about this election and the future of this country. Um, I think we're going down a, a pretty, pretty terrible road here if we don't if we don't change what we're doing. Um, but uh, I was it was Super Tuesday. I was uh, looking at my phone and I saw that Joe Biden was going to be at a diner in Oakland um, later that morning. So I texted some people see if they wanted to go protest him, confront him, you know, try and talk to him about his his record because it seemed kind of insane to me that the Democrats would be pushing him as a candidate. So, um, I went over there I, I met up with another vet and, uh, we went in, confronted, uh, Joe Biden at this diner. You know, he, he, uh, there's a lot of people there. We got a table he came in and started talking to people, a lot of media, um, we didn't know whether he was going to come to our table or not. So I asked one of his staffers if I could talk to him. So she led me to him and I, uh, that's when I, you know, talked to him. Uh, he turned around, he, he put his hand out to shake it. I, I didn't shake it because <laughs> I, uh, um, well, kind of obvious why I didn't do that, but also the, you know, it was in the early days of the coronavirus. So, uh, or another concern, but, um, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of what led up to that. All right. D, why don't you play it? Uh, and then, uh, we'll comment, we'll discuss, uh, what goes down. So this is, uh, uh Michael Thurman's exchange with Joe Biden in, uh, Oakland 
on Super Tuesday. He enabled that to happen. He is disqualified. He is disqualified. No way he can be president. They are dead. Millions are dead in Iraq. This, he will not be allowed to be president. Disqualified. Trump is more anti war than Joe. Fucking bullshit. Fucking We actually fought in your damn wars. We fought in your wars. You sent us to hurt civilians. We hurt civilians. You push us out to do it. All right. Um, and then the crowd, which that was uh, Joe supporters chanting Joe, Joe, Joe. Uh, I was a little, uh, I apologize to our listeners. Uh, it, there's a lot of voices talking over it at the outset, but then you can hear Michael quite clearly. Uh, so, Michael, why don't you uh, just help us out a little bit? I've, I've seen this video a, a million times. I could probably do this myself, but I'll ask you to do it. Uh, you know, from the moment you walked up to Biden and then what ensued? Um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, he had his hand out and I, and I uh, refused to shake his hand. And then I went on and told him, you know, how could we vote for him when he, you know, uh, supported this war, enabled not only supported this war, but basically championed um, the Iraq war, got the Democrats to support, support it. Um and, you know, many believe, including myself, that, you know, there might not have been support for the invasion of Iraq without Joe Biden. And uh, so he was a major cheerleader of it. And, uh, you know, I'm like, how, how could we support you or vote for you when when you enabled this to happen? Um, thousands, thousands of uh, our brothers and sisters died over there and uh, countless Iraqi civilians and it, it's a disqualifier in my eyes. Um, yeah. And uh, and he is, you could hear on the on the video, uh, makes a point of uh, saying that his son reminded you that his son uh, was in the in the military, was in Iraq, and it cautioned you not to be going after. Uh, his son, you said you weren't, and then he started leaving. He he moved away, and uh, so you were actually not talking directly to him at the end when you were saying, um, you know, there's blood on your hands. You were right. He, he had already left you. Right. Uh, well, I was trying to have a I was trying to have a civil conversation with him initially. I wasn't yelling initially. I didn't start yelling until he turned. He refused to answer my question and turned his back after giving a very misleading, misleading uh, response about his son. And at first I was a little taken back when he said, when I said my friends are dead and he said, well, so is my son in Iraq. And I, and for a second I was like, wait, did his son die in Iraq? I, mean, I, I should have known this if that's the case. Um, but then I, you know, I realized, no, his son didn't die in Iraq. Uh, he died of cancer later on. Um, but, uh, you know, it was kind of a misleading um, response. So, um, and then I told him, you know, I'm not talking about your son. I'm not going after your son. And you can kind of hear it in the video, but he like stuck his finger at me 
And he said, you better not or else we're going to have a problem. And then that's when he turned his back. And that's when I started yelling. Uh, When you started yelling, were you conscious of the fact that you were in a room yelling at uh, the former vice president of the United States? (laughs) Pretty pretty pissed off. So, um, you know, um, and I think justifiably so. But, you know, I don't, don't, you know, um, everyone there eating, you know, this is I feel I feel bad that I interrupted their brunch there. But um, this is a. This is a, the, these are issues that, that need to be brought out in the open and he needs to be confronted on and he can't, we can't just let him get, get away with it without, without bringing it up. Um, and again, this is in the context of Super Tuesday. So there was uh, several other candidates at the time. So um, when I brought this up, there was several other candidates that that uh, were vying for the for the Democratic nomination. So it was it was kind of important to me that the that the Democrats and Democratic voters would would champion this man who who has this this history and this record. Did uh, did the Secret Service confront you? I don't think there was any Secret Service there. I think he didn't have Secret Service at the time. I think it was just all camp- campaign staffers. So did any of them confront you and say, hey, kind of hey. away, you know, and, and, you know, said, sir, sir, calm down or, you know, what have you. But, um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't any physical confrontation, you know, and no, and no police arrested you or anything. No, no, they didn't, you know. Yeah, I, uh, there wasn't anything like that. So, so uh, had you did after that uh, passed, that moment passed, did you hear from the Biden campaign as the days wore on? Did anybody no, from the Democrat, nobody reached out to you or anything like that? No one reached out to me. Uh, so they basically uh, put you out of their minds. I, I'm going right. to assume that. And no then. Or the, the, the about face organization, which I was, I was there kind of speaking for um, for my fellow service members as well. I was there with somebody, you know, who was recording the video who had served in Afghanistan um, in the army. And, uh, you know, I was, I was also speaking on behalf of not just me, but this, this group of, of uh, anti-war veterans that, uh, that I'm a part of. So we fast forward uh, and uh, the video somehow or other finds its way to uh, the man I call baby Trump, Donald John, uh, Donald Trump Jr. And he puts it out on Twitter. And then what happened? Right. So this was, you know, when I initially confronted Joe Biden, this was back in March, Super Tuesday. Fast forward to, uh, I don't know, was it two weeks ago this happened now? Um, there, uh, you know, Biden got the, the Democratic nomination and um, now Donald Trump Jr. shared the video and it was being shared in, in those Republican circles as somehow um, endorsing Donald Trump as, as you know, me endorsing Donald Trump or, or that narrative, that anti-war perspective endorsing Donald Trump um, for, for another four years of, of his presidency. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, uh, and it was kind of upsetting in a way that, that, 
you know, at the time, you know, when I was confronting Joe Biden, calling him out, I did say Trump is more anti-war than Joe Biden. You can hear that in the video. And in some regards, he is. It doesn't mean that Trump's not, uh, that Trump is anti-war, because he's definitely not. And, um, yeah, when, when Donald Trump Jr. Uh, shared this on Twitter, and then it was retweeted by his dad, the president, the next day, and then shared in all these circles, and then and then this came back up again, it was kind of like, um, well, what are they using this video for now? An endorsement of, of Donald Trump or, 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 you know, a criticism of Biden in support of, of Donald Trump. And that, that was something and I just, I had to speak out about, um, a, an article came out in, in these times talking about that. And, uh, I also put out a video online. Unfortunately, I don't have the Twitter following that Donald Trump Jr. Has. I don't, I don't really use Twitter. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I at least, you know, wanted to come come on your show and, and speak out against that and also uh, just put it out there that in no way I'm supporting Donald Trump um, by criticizing Joe Biden. Do you plan, plan to vote for Joe Biden? You know, um, with with uh, <laughs> a lot of saying, it's a very hard pill to swallow at this point. Um but I think I'm going to, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not something that I'm, that I'm happy about. And, uh, you know, it's also concerning because there, there is some concerns that he might be more hawkish than Donald Trump, um, in terms of foreign policy and in terms of keeping troops in the middle East in terms of starting new wars. Um, but you know, Trump, Trump is also uh, fomenting a lot of wars and, and, and enabling and continuing wars in the Middle East. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, this is a political situation in, in the United States of America. So these are the options that we're left with. And, um, you know, as a, as a harm reduction approach, um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to cast a vote for Joe Biden. Um, um and it's just the, the the unfortunate situation we're in, but um, it's also strategic. It's a strategic vote in support of um, you know the the anti-war movement and support of of people who are who are fighting um, oppression, trying trying to get uh, trying to buy time so so we can make these changes we need to make. Um, but if Joe Biden does get the presidency, we definitely need to hold his feet to the fire and and uh, oppose a lot of things that he's talking about doing um, and fight against that because because uh, there's there's still a lot of injustice on part of uh, of of these institutions. Michael, I can tell you, and I know you know what I'm about to say is true. Uh, so many of my guests say the same thing. That's yeah. where we are. And I myself was a Bernie supporter. Uh, we have this joke on the show during the primary, I would rank. <laughs> um, just had a flashback to the primary season from last summer. I would rank the candidates. Every now and then, Joe would make it to the top five. Uh, Dennis, my producer, was teasing me, say, not very often did he make it to the top five. Uh, so, yeah, we, we come at things generally from the leftist persuasion on this show. I personally believe that this is the most critical election that I've uh, ever uh, faced. Even um, 
even even right. uh, Reagan years. I mean, Donald Trump is is such a, a danger to yeah. the world in so many ways. Moral survival at this point. Yeah. And um, that said, I do want to explore this theme of, of Donald Trump in the military. And I told you I was going to do this. I find I, I, I find this. You know, just in, in some ways fascinating, in other ways perplexing. And any enlightenment you can give me on this, I would appreciate. Donald Trump professes a reverence for the military and military spending. And yet he did everything he could to avoid serving. Donald Trump is right. viewed by so many vets or veterans groups as a champion of vets. And this is a guy who trashes veterans. This is a guy who mocks and maligns the war dead. This is a guy whose whole view of the world, Michael, is that it's divided between winners and losers. And winners right. are the ones who are on top and losers are the one on the bottom. And anybody, and this is Donald Trump's view of the world, who's dumb enough to put something like the country ahead of his own personal interests is by definition a loser. And this is the man, Michael, I do not understand this, that so many vets revere. I should say so many white vets, because almost every black vet I know has nothing but disdain for Donald Trump. Help me out here. I, I'm I'm. I'm lost. Like, how could a yeah. guy who gives the middle finger to vets be so loved by vets? Right. Well, yeah. Um, you know, it, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to imagine, you know, not just veterans, but other people that support Donald Trump, like, you know, some of my friends and family that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's 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 obvious, you know, he doesn't in the end he doesn't really give a damn about about anybody but himself and his immediate uh, his immediate friends. But um, yeah, I mean, people are just I don't know. I mean, the, the simple answer is everyone's brainwashed. But uh, yeah, there's there's a uh, very uh, large propaganda machine that um gets people to to think and act a certain way and uh they've gotten people convinced that uh donald trump is gonna um represent their uh their position in this world and and uh you know especially for white white people um and uh people who who feel that their their way of life is is threatened by uh you know um brown and black people from other countries and and even in this country um yeah i mean it's 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 all it's all fear based really and and uh they they capitalize on that fear and that's how they get their support and you you heard it uh, in you know in a recent ad by uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence saying that you won't be safe in Biden's America, and uh, that's that's how they get their basis support it's through through fear. 
Have you heard back in any way from the Republicans uh, or the uh, Trump people after they uh, took that video and try to turn it to Donald Trump's advantage? Uh, even before or after that, did they reach out to you in any way and say, hey, Michael, we're going to be using you as part of our uh, campaign? Effort? Yeah, they wanted me to speak at the RNC. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't. Do that. <laughs> um, you did that with such a good deadpan that I thought you were serious. <laughs> that was well done, Michael. No, but you know, the way they used it, I, I might as well, you know, I've gone and spoken there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, they, no, no one's reached out to me, um, you know, from either side. I just think, you know, that, that moment that was recorded, that side felt that they could use that to their advantage and that's what they did. And, and, you know, I think, I think if they really, you know, knew who I was and what I stood for, they, uh, you know, and I'm sure like somebody did some digging to see if maybe it was a possibility that I could support the Trump campaign somehow. But when they, when they found out that, you know, every, um, all of my being is against them and what they represent, then, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they wouldn't have done that. So, well, it didn't stop them from shamelessly exploiting uh, your uh, your passion, right? Yeah, uh, and uh, against war. Uh, so uh, they were shameless about it. Uh, right. I'm glad it's amazing that you know they're using this anti-war narrative now, and and uh, you know even Donald Trump talking about the military-industrial complex and. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to fathom, you know, how they're, how they're using those, those leftist perspectives, um, and criticisms to their advantage. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if this was the Bush era, you know, it would be, uh, completely opposite. So it's like this, this, uh, um, this, this complete, I don't know, political maneuvering um, that they're doing. Um, that's, that's kind of amazing. I'll tell you how they would do it. First of all, I mean, I've said it, I use the word over and over, shamelessness. So yeah. Donald Trump himself would not even consider serving because as I already pointed out, his worldview is that's for losers. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, he would never, ever, ever consider joining an anti-war march because those are even yeah. a bigger bunch of losers in his mind. Uh, and also it would hurt him because he understands uh, that there would be an adverse uh, impact to his career. Uh, if he were to be, do something as bold as a po actually take a proactive step to oppose war, which is so bizarre as he's positioning himself as an anti-war candidate because he did absolutely right. nothing uh, to do that, but to help that cause. But Michael, just for a moment, think what would happen if instead of confronting Joe Biden, you confronted Donald Trump and you could easily have done it. I mean, you could have been sitting at home and you see that Donnie Trump, well, I doubt he would go to California because he wrote your state off a long time ago. But let's say California was in play. Sure. You could have easily shown up to a Donald Trump fundraiser. And if you got close to him, you could have confronted him. And you just imagine 
what they would say yeah. about you right now. Right. Well, I think, you know, it would have been a lot harder to, to get that close to Donald Trump. But, um, yeah, you know, if, if, if I was face-to-face with, with Donald Trump, you know, I would have given him a big piece of my mind as well. Um, you know, the political establishment that he pretends to not be a part of in this country is so far removed from um, the, uh, the reality and the actual will of the American people that, you know, at this point, you know, Democrats and Republicans, in my view, are two sides of the same fascist coin. Um, but, you know, Donald Trump is definitely the most dangerous uh, uh, president that we've that we've had, I think, up until this point. And uh, he definitely needs to be opposed and removed from office. Um, so, yeah, I, I wish I could confront Donald Trump. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I had an opportunity to, to give it to Joe Biden. So that's what I did. All right. Well, let, let's hope and my, this is my hope uh, that your message uh, gets out as well. Uh, and uh, I urge you to, uh, to keep up your activist uh, uh, life and uh, don't let your uh, Trump lovers and your family uh, beat you down uh, yeah. <laughs> and work you over. Uh, I don't want to have to have an interview a year from now and go, Ben, I've reconsidered and I now think Donald John Trump is the greatest president we ever had. Right. <laughs> I don't. Or if in four years, now speaking at the Republican National uh, Convention, right, like, yeah. I doubt that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I doubt that as well. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Donald Trump will. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, now that he's he's uh, being left wing, maybe he'll do a complete turnaround. Who knows? That would be straight out of a sci-fi book, which I would actually welcome. Uh, Michael Thurman, I was going to ask you about the forest fires in California, but we run out of time. I'm just going to have to bring you back to the show. Uh, as you said, he's an arborist. Uh, and I, when I first mentioned it to him, he goes, well, Ben, this is not my uh, area of expertise, but we had a subsequent conversation. I think you know a lot more about this, uh, <laughs> than uh, a lot of people do definitely know more about it than Donald Trump. Uh, so sure. maybe since he's <laughs> such a big fan of yours, he'll listen to yeah. the interview, uh, and take some proactive steps. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have friends and family who are evacuated right now and. Uh, people who've lost homes and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, the, the climate crisis is here and um, there's a, there's a lot to work. Well, there's a lot of work to do to uh, prevent complete, you know, the complete destruction of humanity here. So um, yeah, I think, I think thank, thanks again for, for saying that keep my activism up. I think everybody should be doing that right now. Um, no one, uh, no one should be sitting idle right now. I think, I think this is a crucial time for the survival of, of humanity, not just like to get our whatever politician in office, but we, we all need to be working to, you know, ensure a future for, for us and our children at this point, because uh, this is where we're at. All right, well, well put. Michael Thurman, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. That's Michael Thurman. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone.